Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. If anybody's going to get away with extended announcements, it's got to be your wife. Just let her be, guys. Say as much time as you need, baby. Kids, you glad to be in here today or you wish you were going to class? Oh, wrong answer. I, I can make this long and torturous for you. All right. We are glad to have you in here with us, kids. Uh, I want you to hear the words I'm going to say today. I know that your parents talk to you often about what you say. Be nice to your sister. Don't say that. Be nice. Be kind. Be courteous. So today's message is going to be titled, Change Your Words, Change Your Life. So even children, what you say can determine your future. If your parents give you an instruction and you say no with sass and attitude, it will determine the course of your life. Kids are like, I don't know, I'm already... Playing, paying attention to my little color notes. They already checked out. So this morning, adults, you know, uh, I, as I prepared our faith message, talking about growing your faith, God really just kind of networked together that, you know, faith to really be all that it's called to be requires action, which requires words that also support the faith process. That we're going to network, we're going to tie the two things together. So today I want us to focus on the power of our words, what we say, what we don't say, what we... And, and, you know, sometimes, you know, I have a hard time sometimes commanding the English language. What I am saying, I am not meaning, but what I am saying is not what I'm meaning, right? Like, it's back, it's all messed up, right? And my wife says, I understand what you're saying, but it still matters what I say. You know, I, I may have good intent and try to say it a certain way, but what I say is what gets the results, right? It, what, how I communicate gets the results. So we have to realize that our words are what, what, what create our situation, determine our future, and can cause our lives to be either, either more negative or more positive. Now, this is not just a life coach type message to where, hey, you know, say it, proclaim it, get it, it's just going to be good. There are Christian principles that we're going to communicate here that, that compounded with the Christian belief system will get the results that God wants you to get. But we we got to also realize that if you don't understand the power of your words, the enemy will allow you to stay in your ignorance and communicate words that contradicts God's best for you, and he will use those words to reinforce the lie in your life. So we have to come to revelation of what does God want for us? What does God desire for us? Do you know that if we look at the model of our earthly father in our in the father's nature towards the children, now dads, I'm not talking about your worst day. I'm talking about your best day where you're full of grace and love and forgiveness and kindness. And, you know, if you, if you compile all your best days, that's really what God looks like, right? When he's full of compassion, when he loves us, when he forgives us, when he never raises his voice, when he, he gives a lending ear every single time we're talking, right? Because we know as earthly fathers, that's hard, right? Always listening, especially if you have two or three or more children, and they all are wanting you to listen to what they're saying? It's a challenge. So many of us are living our lives today from words sown in the past. So sometimes it's not just what we're saying now, but what have we said previously that, are, that is causing the reality in which we live today? We have to understand that, that words released are like sowing seeds. They're going to produce a harvest according to what was sown. I've never planted an apple seed and expect to get oranges. Or I've never planted an orange seed expecting to get apples, right? That would be completely chaotic, right? So why would I plant a negative seed and expect positive results? Which some of us think, well, God will just give us grace. Well, if you plant the wrong kind of seed, you're going to get the wrong kind of fruit. But if you plant the right kind of seeds, you will get the right kind of fruit. It's, it's the rule of sowing and reaping. God says, I've established it this way. Since the beginning of the earth, there is a seed, time, and harvest to the system of God's established nature. So your words can unlock 
the potential to change your life. So we have to realize that your life is a composite of the words you declare. If you were to look at your situation, it could be a byproduct of everything you've spoken. Let's look at this, this passage in Isaiah, Isaiah 57, 18 through 19 in the New King James Version. It says, I have seen his ways and will heal him. I will heal him also and restore comforts unto him and to his mourners. Now listen to this verse 19. I create the fruit of the lips. Hold on. What is he saying there? What I say he begins to create. Hold on, Pastor. No, you mean anything? Well, let's look at it a little bit further. We've got to realize that God connects his creative redemptive power to the words of our mouth. That when we speak it, it's like we speak it and then all of a sudden God starts putting it together. You know, most of the time we are so frustrated about the job we have and we're so negative about the job we have, we never declare a promotion. Well, this job, I just have to go because, you know, it's all I got and I hate going and I can't ever get a better job. And you reinforce all these negative things rather than speaking for life and say, God, I, I believe you for a great job, a better job, more money, more benefits, more time off. When we speak those things, God begins to create the fruit of our lips. So God connects his redemptive power to the words of our mouth. He will form and fashion that which you speak out of your mouth. He forms it. He how, how did Jesus, how did, how did God create? By the spoken word. When he said it, it came to be. So let's say God still speaks it. You think it still works? That was never nullified and voided. It was not just a creation thing. It was a complete Christianity thing that God wanted us to live under his redemptive power of his word. Well, if we begin to declare the things that God is declaring also, you think it's going to work? All right. It has to work. So God creates, he performs, he fashions your future based on the words that you speak. We create the utterance of our lips, what we say, what we, you know, even what we mumble. Like, well, they didn't hear me say it. Oh, you said it. You thought it. I love you, and they turn around, and ooh, you just, yeah, get out of my face. You know, like, whatever it is, right? We have to realize that sometimes we have to guard those words. We have to guard what we say. We cannot just let our mouths recklessly control our future. <laughs> One of my fra phrases that, that I guess got coined was, engage your brain. Now, when we say engage the brain, you know that goes for adults also. I was gearing that towards our kids saying, engage your brains, pay attention to what you're doing. You realize we have that same problem as adults? If we would engage our brains before our mouth opens, we would be a lot better off. Well, I wasn't thinking. Well, yeah, you weren't thinking. That was the problem. You didn't engage the brain. You didn't renew the mind. You didn't base it on what the scripture said, and you just said something stupid. And you know what happens when a word comes out? I was just playing, buddy. Liar. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right? So what's deep down, what is cultivated in our heart is going to come out. Now, if God is the holder of our heart and he regenerates our heart and we have his passions and his desires, then most of the time, you know what? God's words should come out of our hearts. Now, I think every now and then we dabble in that fleshly, like, hey, man, be nice to win the lottery. Like, you know, whatever it is. Should you even be gambling? Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, you know... <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah, I'm not going to answer that. I'm not preaching that today. If you just got convicted, well, then let God do what he's going to do. I don't know. Right? But, you know, out of, out of that heart, out of, out of the motives, out of all of those things, out of our heart, those things happen. So he creates the utterance of our lips. The moment we say it, he gets to work creating it. Think about that. Man, as soon as he says it, he starts working on that blessing. And sometimes it takes a little, a little while for him to release that blessing, but he gets to work on it according to his will and his plan. So let's look at the, in the Garden of Eden. Have you ever paid attention to the details of the serpent? So in Genesis 3, the devil took on the form of a serpent and he spoke to the woman. Okay, so think about this. So the devil looked like a serpent. And in, in that scripture, it actually says that when he was cursed, he was cursed above all other animals and he was made to crawl on his belly. So he had legs and he spoke. Huh. Now, it says that, that, that Satan took on the image of the, you know, he, that's, that's who he became. It says that he spoke. You know, so once, once the fall of man happened, we got to realize what happened, okay? 
So we have to realize that the enemy was cast down, he was cursed, and his voice was forever silenced. If you got a snake talking to you, we got major problems. Because he cursed him, he silenced his voice so that you would no lo- he would no longer whisper in your ear. But we have to realize that the voice spoken to you today will not come through animals, but it comes through people. The negativity, the cursing, the anger, the rage. So if the devil's going to speak to you today, he's going to do it through another person. But we have to realize the enemy of this world, his voice was silenced. He was cursed. The legs were chopped off and he was made low. And it says they were, they were going to be, he, they was actually going to be at war with the wife. And they would crush his head with their heel. So, so we see all of these things happening. So he was going to be crawl, he would crawl on his belly. He, cur- he, was, he was cursed more than any other livestock. But it says that he was more cunning, right? But the words that were spoken enticed the woman that planted the seed, that planted the thought, that compromised God's standard. And then the woman said, well, I guess it's not that bad. Then the devil says, oh, yeah, exactly. It's not that bad. Just do it. You'll be like God. Oh, I'll be like God. That's cool. I want to be God-like. Game over. With no, new, you know, no, no do-overs, no just playing, let's try again. It was forever done. So we realize that the words that were spoken, that the enemy has been cut off. So mankind has the power to speak and confess like any, like, unlike any other created thing. Mankind has been given a voice. Now a chicken, you know, rooster crowing or, or a cow mooing, that is not communicating in the language that gets God results. But we've been given a voice and an authority to speak in a way like no other. In the Garden of Eden, he gave us authority to rule and reign and to speak forth. When Adam said, this is the name of this creature, creature, it became the name of that creature. The words of his mouth under the authority of God got results every single time. What if he gave them a dumb name? Well, they got stuck with that dumb name. Right? So Hebrews, listen to this other passage because it really kind of connects with this previous passage. Hebrews 13, 15. It says, Therefore, through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. And listen here. That is the fruit of our lips that gives thanks to his name. So it says, I create the fruit of your lips, but what is the fruit of your lips? The fruit of your lips is a sacrifice of, sacrifice of praise to God that continually comes out of your mouth. It's giving God thanks, like this little testimony. Hey, I had backache, and man, it's gone now. Thank God for that. I'm giving God praise for that. That's what it's all about. It's giving God praise for what he's done, what he's doing, seen and unseen. If some of you will grab a hold of faith this morning, you will see things happen in your life that you've never seen. You'll see freedom in your life like you've never experienced. But you declare it by the words of your mouth. But what most of us say said, well, that's good for her. But God doesn't love me. He doesn't care about. So we are really reaffirming these lies by the words of our mouth. And you're giving the enemy room to work. You don't realize it because you've just been doing that a lifetime. You've got to quit saying things that reinforce the plan of the enemy over your life and begin to reinforce the things that will change your life. Right now, from this moment on, if you're about to say something, say, you know what? Never mind. Sorry, Lord. Don't say anything that gives the enemy room to agree with. So the fruit of our lips is the praise that you continually offer to God. The words that come out of your mouth. What you say. You know, it's... You know, I think that that's, that's, the, that's the connection right there. What comes out of your mouth? You know, I'm pretty smart. I know when not to say certain things. As a pastor, I will read Facebook posts, and I know when not to post and not to say anything. Sometimes I want to give a good thumbs up or a smile and be like, oh, yeah. I'm glad it's you and not me. I wish I could say that, but I can't say that. I'm too smart to say that. They're going to set a trap for me. They'll take it out of context and say, oh, look what this pastor's saying. And I just, but man, when somebody's fighting toe-to-toe with somebody who's not supporting a God system and somebody is supporting God system, man, I get excited. It's like right on, especially if they're fighting with Scripture. Well, this is what the Word of God says. Well, y'all Christians, oh, no, toe-to-toe. It's like I'm watching a boxing match, right? But I know I have to, you have to be smart and you have to know when not to say anything. 
especially if the motives of your heart are wrong. Or maybe if you're angry, you know, if you're angry, just shut up. If you're mad about something, don't try to work it out. Take a lap. That's what I tell Becky. I'm going to take a lap. I got to breathe. Or, you know, lately I've been, I'm done talking about this. And I walk off because I know I am digging a hole and I'm digging it deeper and I ain't getting nowhere. And I wasn't even fighting with her, but now I am. It's like, well, I was just listening. Well, you ain't listening. You're fighting me. You're pushing back. This ain't even no fun. I'll talk to you in a leadership meeting. Get out of here. And I, I was just talking, and we made this into a leadership meeting. I was just talking to my wife, and she's like, well, how does that apply? to?" I was like, I don't even know, baby. I'm just trying to get it out of my mind. And I'm like, whatever. I'll talk about it at the leadership meeting. Like, you know, it's like, go, go, we'll just put that in the leadership category, not the husband-wife category, right? So we got some weird dynamics in our home when we're both ministers, and she's leading a ministry, and I'm leading a ministry, and we're trying to collectively do it. But if I'm frustrated or I'm angry, I just need to close my mouth and say, hey, you know what? Hold on. Let me go pray. Let me get my Jesus time. Let me get my heart right, my motives right. Let me allow the, the Word to just wash my mind so I don't say something I regret. Right? Have you ever buried yourself so much in a conversation you're just looking more and more like a fool. At some point, you're looking at yourself and you have like this outer body experience and you're just like, man, I just need to shut up, but I keep talking. And you just keeps going and going and going and you're like, oh, like, oh. You know, I think at that point, Jesus is just sitting up there going like this. When will they come to their senses? I know when I get frustrated, I get so frustrated sometimes, I get mad and I get madder and madder and madder and then I don't even know what I'm mad about. You ever had one of those, just a, just a wife reset or a life reset, like where you're just mad? Oh, you get, I'm telling you, you get mad and then, you're, then you think about, you pause. And that pause, I believe, is the Holy Spirit in your life saying, hey, what are you mad about? And you're like, I don't even know. I'm mad about this rain. Man, it just keeps on coming, Lord. Whatever. Do what you got to do. Um, but, you know, I, I think we can get so frustrated and we get to that place and you're like, if you're really honest, and guys don't like to admit it, but if you're like, I don't even know why I'm mad. And that's the dumbest part of all of it. You're like, hey, I'm sorry. For what? I don't even know. Like, will you forgive me? Right? And we move on. But our words will mess us up. But our words should be a sacrifice of praise to God. They should be pleasing. They should be acceptable. They should be supporting Scripture. They should be lifting up a brother and sister. They should never be tearing down. But sometimes we use words negatively. Amen? Have you ever used your tongue negatively? Raise your hand. Man, okay, who's lying in here? Because if you didn't raise your hand, you didn't listen to the question. If you need a cup of coffee, go get a cup of coffee. Come right back. We ain't going nowhere. It's raining anyway, okay? So really, we, we, we say negative things when we don't mean it. When the flesh gets the best of us or the devil kind of negotiates it or causes, kind of just kind of prods us. But we got to realize if, we will if you change your words, you'll change your life. Mark eleven twenty three. 23, Jesus said, speak to the mountain. Talk to the mountain. The mountain knows your voice because he knows God's voice. He says, truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. So this is the faith that we talked about two weeks ago. If you will believe in faith and you will command with the words of your mouth, it says, and not doubt, but believe in their heart. Then this, this is that what they say will happen. It'll be done for them. And I was like, why the heck are you yelling to a mountain to move? Like, you just don't like it. It's blocking your view. What is it? But I think he's talking spiritually. If there is a physical, spiritual, emotional mountain in your life, you can speak to it in faith and confidence and it'll be thrown into the sea. You see me sitting out there looking at a mountain. All right, mountain. Gotta move. Like, what are you talking about, Pastor Noe? Has it moved yet? No, but I'm still... But... It, think of the magnitude of a mountain. It's a big deal, right? You talk about, you know, when you talk about all these superheroes, that'd be a pretty cool superhero skill, right? Like, into the wall. You know, like, but we can work that out. But he says, if you have faith and if you what? What is, what is the key there? If you look at the mountain, if you raise your fist to the mountain, maybe if you point hard enough to the mountain. No, what does it say? You speak to the mountain. And then according to your faith, it will be done. So when we speak words, it changes everything. But this reveals that, you know, the one who does not doubt but believes can speak to the mountain, it'll be moved. When you ask God something in prayer, 
do you believe it by vocalizing it? You know, I think sometimes when we don't vocalize it, it's because we don't believe it. Have you ever said like a silent choir prayer? Like, man, Lord, I sure could use help with that. But we say it internally, right? We don't say it out loud. You know, we have, I have scriptures in my office. So a long time ago, the church inherited a bubble gum machine. So that bubble gum machine has been lasting for decades. Pastor Jim had it. Pastor Bobby had it. Now I have it, right? Well, I know them kids, every time they're back there, they'll come in there and get a gumball. So they'll come in there, and the rule now that Pastor Noe has, if you want a gumball, you quote a scripture to me. Now, we have it written, so you can read it. Some of them can't read, so you got to kind of do the parrot method. It's like, all right, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. What'd you say? In the Lord always. You know, you're, coax, you know, you're trying to get it out of, but they have to, they have to say the scripture. Now, I had somebody come in my office the other day, and they said, oh, I'm reading it, Pastor Noe. I said, oh, that's not good enough because the devil can't hear you say it. We got to understand that God is all-knowing, all-present. He can factor in every variables. But for the enemy to realize what you are saying, it has to come out of your mouth. He cannot read my every thought. He doesn't know all the motives of my heart. Now, he can maybe say, oh, you're sinful or you have a bad mind. But he cannot understand the thoughts of our minds, but he can understand the words of our mouth. So the moment that these children begin to confess these out, and I'm scratching my head, I said, Lord, help them to please memorize one scripture in the time of my pastoring. I don't know if I got to go back to a simple one. And Morgan said, well, teach them Jesus wept. I was like, when are you going to quote that scripture? Going through hard times, Lord, Jesus wept. I don't think that's going to be like a revelation type scripture for them. I'm like, give them something that's going to help them in their time of need, Lord. But there's something powerful when they speak it. When they say it, when they read it, when they meditate on it, and it comes out of their heart now. But the power is in the speaking, not in the reading, not in the understanding, but the speaking forth. That passage, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, that can apply to all of us. I bet this week you'll have an opportunity to think about that scripture. Well, that didn't turn out as much as I like it. Well, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Well, I'm sick this week, Pastor. No, I'm just not feeling mad. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. At least I got breath in my lungs. Lord, I'm not dead yet. I'm still alive and breathing. Your spirit's still strong within me. Find something to rejoice and communicate it. Only time we should quit, quit declaring the words of the Lord is when we're dead in the grave. Those that speak get the results. John 14, 13 through 14. And it says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the father may be glorified in the son. You may ask for me anything in my name and it will be done. That John 14, 13 through 14. Now we got to think about the context of the scripture because you can apply this scripture to anything. You know, he was talking about right before this, he says, you will do greater things than I have done. Even the things that I have done, you'll, you'll do and you'll even do. So he was talking about signs, wonders, and miracles. He wasn't just talking about like, Lord, I love this lottery thing. Lord, I wish I would just be digging in my yard and find some gold. Like, I mean, I don't know, strike oil, whatever. You know, this isn't what, it's not for selfish gain. What he was talking about was signs and wonders and miracles, things that would glorify his father. Ask according to my father's kingdom and they will be released. You know, you can only give what you have. You realize that? Like, as a father, I can only give my children what I have. Like, I can't give something they don't. You know, and there was a story where, where the disciples were walking through and somebody said, hey, can you give me some money? And they, and they paused and said, hey, silver and gold I do not have, but I have the Spirit. I have the power of God within me. And you know what he said? He spoke to that beggar and he said, rise and walk. And what happened? Got up. Pharisees were all messed up. Why'd that guy get up? Why is he doing that on the Sabbath? Why are all these things happening? Because it was according to God's will and somebody was bold enough to speak it out. You know, I think about that. Somebody who has never walked, hey, get up. Like, what do you mean get up? Like stand up? Like, you know, I've never walked, man. You know, it's like a baby that's learning to walk. A baby don't even know how to walk. You've never walked. But yet at the spoken word, we see everything change. Signs, wonders, and miracles. Do you realize that the mountain in your life only moves when you put faith and words into action? 
The mountain is where you believe God to move in your life today, whatever it is in your life. What words are you speaking and releasing God to start creating in your life? What do you have need of today according to Father God's will that, that, that you're speaking? I would even challenge you this morning. What is something you said under, under, the, under a whisper or in your heart, but you haven't communicated it yet? Perhaps maybe this morning faith would arise to speak out things that you're like, oh, Lord, I don't know about this, but I'm going to just shout it out. Right? What do you believe in God for? You know, it talks about that the fruit of our lips is pra- the praises of God. So I praise God because, like, how are you filling in that blank? Are you, what are you saying about your children? I hope that I'm saying, Lord, I bless them. I keep them. Lord, may your face shine upon them. May they know, that, know you all the days of their life, Lord. Or are you just like, well, Lord, you know, it's a hard world out there. It just is what it is. I hope today the devil don't get them. Come on. <laughs> Feeding them to the wolves. Begin to cover them with, your, with the words of Scripture. Say, Lord, I pray that they would know your voice as Samuel knew your voice, that they would understand it. Lord, that you would guard their hearts and their mind by your word, that these little Scriptures that Pastor Noah has given them, that they would remember. Come on, Lord. Cover them. Protect them. What are your words saying? What are you speaking? Your job. Maybe, maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you're looking for a job. Well, think about the scripture says that he has never let the righteous be forsaken or their children begging for bread. That he promised to meet all of your needs according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now you can be like, well, I'm glad there's unemployment. I'm glad there's something that'll take care of me and, you know. Runs out tomorrow. Oh, man, that faith better come on. So I said, oh, better put that faith word to action, right? But he says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. You know, he'll supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. What about the economy? You know, you, you know he says, uh, you're going to have trouble in this world, but fear not, I have overcome the world. What are your words saying? Every time something happens negatively, fight it with something positive. I hope a scripture rises up every single time you deal with something. Every single time. But if you don't hide the word in your heart, you're going to just have fleshly responses. If you will go to Google and you will type in scriptural declarations, you will find all kinds of gold nuggets for whatever time you need. God has given you so much in his word that man is really without excuse. Well, Pastor, no, you don't know what I'm going through. Oh, but God did. And he put it in his word. And if you will honor God with his word, you'll see action in your life. What about a family member who's not, you know, who who doesn't know the Lord or you're you're concerned about the well-being of your children? Hey, for me and my house, we're going to serve God. Samuel, it don't matter. Cassidy, it don't matter. Grace, it don't matter. My house is is the house of God and you will be raised in the house. You will be raised in his presence and you will know God. You will encounter his presence from a young age. You will not be the wayward son that goes off to the east and the west and then comes back squandering all his inheritance, but you will be raised in the house of the Lord and forever rule and reign in the house of God. That's how it works. Well, Pastor Noe, I've never parented before. I can't determine what my kids are going to Man, you can declare it. But sometimes we don't declare it because we don't believe it. Or we're fearful of, well, what if it's not according to God's will? You got to know what the scripture says. Because if you know what God's word says, you can bank on his word all day long. Now, if you don't know the word, you're just going to be expecting things in just based on what you know. Or, hey, I saw this post. You know, I love when people post things on, on, on Facebook or whatever. And people are like, amen. I'm like, that's not scriptural. But it sounds good. It sounds real fleshy. It sounds like it's going to be a good benefit. But it's contrary to God, God's word. You know, God is more concerned about obedience than he is your comfort. I'll throw that nugget out there because all of us think, oh, well, I'm going to be richly blessed and it's going to be great and it's going to be no hardship. Oh, I love this Christian stuff. Man, when I got saved, they lied to me. They didn't tell me the cost of following Christ, that I would forsake everything, that if I love the things of the world, I am not of God, that all of these things I have to, I have to lose for the sake of finding Christ. Now, in amongst that pursuit of following Christ, all of my needs have been met. All of the satisfactions, the things that I really deeply desire have been met. Now, you can fool around in the world for a little while, but you're going to come to your senses at some point and realize it amounts to nothing. It will never satisfy. Yeah, that was a freebie nugget. 
How about somebody dealing with health issues? Man, by your stripes I'm healed, Lord. What about wealth? He'll supply all my needs. You know, he'll allow me to be blessed to the point of where I can give generously on all occasions. That's what I'm believing for. I'm not saying, oh, Lord, I just want to make it month to month. No, Lord, give me more than I can handle that I can give it away. That's what I want. But if you want to limit God, that's fine. Choice is yours. So words can change the atmosphere of your life. Your words can fill your home with hell or heaven. Okay? What you say determines the atmosphere of your home. If you're fighting all the time and you're hollering at the kids, baby, I love you to death. Uh, my wife's in here today, so I can't, I gotta be careful walking on this. I'll stay over here on this side. So, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're losing it in the home and then you're saying, hey, but you should pray and you should love God and you should be Christ-like. Come on, man. Take that moment. Take that laugh. Back up. Engage the brain. Don't lose it. Come on. We got to realize that the words of our mouth, you know, I know a lot of y'all have Christian scriptures and you have sayings. If you're a sticky note person, put those things everywhere. While you're brushing your teeth, while you're sitting on the toilet, while you're taking a shower, wherever you need to see it to get your attention. Because your mind always needs to be on what is righteous and what is holy and what is pure. Maybe some phrases that will get your attention, parents, is that your kids are always watching. Dot, dot, dot. What you do matters. Now, these aren't Christian whatever. These are just good things, right? But, you know, what you say or what you do matters more than what you say. Well, that's not fair, Pastor Noe, but that's, that's how kids are looking. That's how kids are watching. But we've got to realize what we say will control that at, at the, uh, the atmosphere in our home. Change your words, change your life. We've got to realize that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. He, he, will, he will tell you who you are not. So we have to be able to speak the world, word to him. We've got to remind him who you are as a child of the king, that you are the head and not the tail, that you're blessed and not cursed, that you're forgiven and not free, and, and that you're forgiven and free. You've got to remind them, you know what, the devil is not going to tell you any of those things. Can somebody get excited this morning? Croy lifted his hand. He's like, man, as excited as I can get without mom yelling at me. She raised my hand. Mom said, I got to be quiet. I got to act right. I can't be making, making a whole bunch of racket during big church service, right? And I hope you're getting excited this morning. Because we have the advantage here, guys. We just got to open our mouth and do something with it. But the enemy of this world is the accuser of the brethren. Faith is believing in God's unmovable promise of his word. And then praise comes from our lips, the words to Father God. You know, as, we, as with these things, the, the scripture and our words come in agreement, he begins to form and fashion those things which we communicate. What if everything that was built or, in, or engrafted into your life required words? First off, we'd be talking a whole lot more about what we want. Right? And we would realize that we really need to quit saying negative things over our lives. I mean, I know a lot of us, we'll go back to the poor me seasons of our life. Well, way back when, well, this happened, this right here, this leader, I, didn't, I trusted them with my life, and they just wounded me, and it's still affecting me today. Yeah, that's because you keep going back there. And you just need to say, Lord, I just leave it, I bury it, and I move on to not remember what happened. But you want to go back, and even when we bury it, some of you guys are going back and say, hold on, let me show you. You'll dig it back up and pull it back out. Because the enemy wants you to be caught in the rearview mirror rather than looking ahead. He doesn't want you to know of the hope and the future that you have in Christ. He wants you to be stuck in the past, looking at yourself or looking behind, and never pursuing the future. I am a byproduct of a transformed, changed life. I don't deserve to be in the place that I am today, but God's grace and keeping my eyes fixed on him has given me the honor and privilege of being a son of the king, transformed and redeemed, forgiven in a way that I don't deserve. So you might say, Pastor Noe, I don't deserve it. I didn't deserve it either, but I just trusted God. You know, I had guys tell me the deck was, the de the deck was stacked against me, that most people don't, re don't recover from what you've been through. I said, but what about God? That was, my, that was my debate. Well, what about God? Well, you know, statistically, I don't care about statistics. I serve a limitless God, which is exceedingly can do more in my life than anything. You know, it's like that, it's like that one guy that the odds are stacked against him, and he keeps looking and saying, but you're saying there's a chance. 
That was me. Said, but you're saying that God still has the potential, even though I really messed things up in my life and I don't deserve it. You're telling me there's a chance. Okay, I'll run on that side. I'll take that chance, Lord. Work in my life. Now, this takes a willingness on the individual. It takes you going through hell and back, being open, being transparent, allowing God to do whatever he needs to do in your life. You better, you got to go deep. Pastor, no, there's some things I don't like. You got to go deep and you got to uproot those things and allow God to throw those into the pit of hell so they don't forever affect the rest of your life. Speak those words into existence. When we speak in faith, it is God who creates. Change your word, change your life. You realize that God has given you two ears, two eyes, but only one mouth. Perhaps he intended us to speak less than we look and listen. Do you realize how many of us have already gotten into trouble with just one mouth? Can you imagine if you had two? Me on a bad day, you don't want me to have two mouths. Right? Even on a good day, it might not be good that I have two mouths, right? The messages would be twice as long. Just playing. Husbands, what if your spouse had two mouths on a bad day? Honey, I'm taking the lap, right? You know, he's like, I'm out, right? Flip-flop that, wives, what if your husband had two mouths? On a day where he's talking about something, you don't really care to hear, and you're like, just be quiet. I don't even know what you're saying anyway. Husbands, you get that a lot? My wife's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, thanks for listening. Like, I don't feel like I'm really being heard, right? Women want you to hear what they're saying and know what they're saying, but it's different when your husband talking to your wife. It don't matter. I don't know what you're saying. I don't really care, but I'm listening. Double standard. Just saying. We'll work that into a marriage teaching one day. So we've gotten ourselves into so much trouble with one mouth. Can you imagine if you had two? Ephesians 4.29, it says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Proverbs 18.21, it says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So your tongue, you know, realize that it can produce life, giving results, or it can destroy. Realize, don't give the enemy something to agree with. That's a strong statement. If you're taking pictures, take a picture of that. Don't give the enemy something to agree with. Well, I said this the other day, and the devil just busted me up. Yeah, because you gave him something to agree with. Don't even say the word. Don't even say the statement. Don't even say the comment. But I was thinking it, Pastor Noe. That don't mean you got to say it. But I was feeling it on the inside. That doesn't mean you have to say it. Change your words, change your life. James 3, 9 through 10, with our tongue we praise the Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who are made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praising and curses. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Have you ever tried to fast negative words? Now, I know we're not in a fasting week, and that's not what we're focusing on right now, but have you ever tried to do that? You'll find yourself being like, oh, never mind. What were you going to say? No, 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 say it. No, 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 I shouldn't say it. Right? You'll find yourself not saying a whole lot because you'll realize that a lot of your words are negative and they're tearing down and they are destroying things. Use your words to build up, not tear down. In the words of Thumper, how many of y'all know who Thumper is? You young kids know who Thumper is? Y'all watched Bambi? Y'all ain't watched Bambi. Becky, show them Bambi, Okay. So Thumper is the little rabbit, and he starts saying, he, he's, he's this little cute rabbit that, you know, likes to make these little snark remarks, and he kind of starts saying something, and his mom says, Thumper, what have I told you? Mom, well, if you can't say something nice, don't say, don't say what? That dude says nothing, nothing but all, nothing at all. He said, you know, in a way that he don't really want to hear the reprimand and the critique, but he says, what she was saying is, don't say anything. I think Thumper had a problem of using his words incorrectly. Now, some of it, you know, in his, in his defense, I think it was innocent. Kids say dumb stuff. Sorry, kids. You just, you just don't think about it. You just say something and you don't. Parents, hopefully, adults, you should be a little smarter. Just don't say dumb things. Now, one thing I like about kids, they will say whatever they're thinking. So as a parent, if they say it, I know it comes out of the heart. I can deal with it. Well, I don't like them. I, I hate their guts, whatever it may be, whatever it may be. 
But if they say that, I better deal with the heart issue because there's no filter. Right? And, that, and those are the, the, the cream de la cream moments of our parenting, right? But it's when they say what they don't mean and they're kind of trying to trick the parents. Right? The words that come out of our heart. Let me give you quick three examples in the Bible that got results because of what they said. So we, we, the first example in Mark 5, 28... You know, the woman with the issue of blood, we all know the scripture and we, and we know the story that, you know, she, ha- she had an issue of blood, which means she was bleeding uncontrollably. She went to doctors, could not receive healing. You know, and this woman, you know, and, and I guess I've already read it, but I never paid attention to it because the statement is, if I could just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. And we know the statement well, but do you realize that the scripture says, it says, for she said... If I could just touch. So she didn't just think it. She didn't just believe it in her heart, but she said out loud. And I don't, and the concern was not for people around her to hear, but she made a confession of her mouth and it produced a response. So it says, if I could just touch his clothes, I'd be made well. So her miracle came through the words that she spoke. She didn't just think it, she said it, but then she believed it. And the results happened. She said it, she spoke it, she moved, she made action. Number two, David and the giant Philistine in Samuel 17, 45 through 46. So we got to realize that in this passage, you know, it says that the giant was just mocking the army. He was he was chanting against them. He was, you know, blaspheming God. He was doing all of these things just to y'all aren't going to do it. Y'all are just dogs. And you know, he just, man, he was just tearing them up. But then David shows up and he said to the Philistine, so realize that he went and he got these stones, he got them ready. But before he moved, he spoke, right? If he understood the power of his words and that the declaration of his mouth would result in a good outcome, or a bad outcome. This is what he said. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with, with short sword and spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of armies, the God of the ranks of Israel. You have defiled him. And this is verse 46. Can you imagine if you start talking to the devil like this out of your mouth? Not just, well, I thought it. No, but if you say it, he says, today the, the Lord will have his hand over, will hand hand you over to me. Today I will strike you down. I will remove your head. David spoke with victory over Goliath before he even threw one stone. It's not like he grabbed the stone and went, oh, I missed. Lord, I pray God that you'll help me. He didn't do that. He declared it before he even released the first stone. And it just so happened that stone hit on the perfect mark that defeated the giant. He didn't have to pick up another one. You know, the whole theology, why did he get it five? I was like... I'm going to war. I'm taking more than one rock. But we don't know. But we know that it took one. And what he declared came to pass. And we saw victory in his life. What about the woman whose child was demon-possessed? We were talking about this uh, two weeks ago, Mark 7, 28. It says, but she replied and said, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. So she was great in the eyes of God because of the words she had spoken. You know, she could have just sat there with that poor me demeanor and just kind of expected from something, but she spoke the words of her mouth, said, even for me, I should still have a place to receive from you. And because of the words she was spoken and her faith, immediately she saw that her child was healed. So use your words, change your life. Use your words and you will change your life. Words are like seeds. They produce the type of words that you sow. Sow positive biblical words over life, your life and your future and your family, you're going to see good things happen. You know the saying about sticks and stones may break my bones, but your words will never hurt me. You know, that's a lie from the pit of hell. It's like, oh, thick skin, just tough it up. You know, the world's hard. Well, well, anytime that you receive a negative word, send a positive word back. Man, you might get in a fight over that anyway, but it's worth a try, right? Because the words that people speak over us, they're hard. They're, they're harsh. Uh, my kids are going to public school this next year, and I think that's going to be one of the biggest challenges, people that throw hard words, negative words, that just have ugly hearts. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. They don't know any better. They're not saved. They're not righteous. They don't think and love like God. They don't know any better. But will we respond with kind, gentle, loving words? 
You know, think of the, the hurtful words that have been spoken over you over maybe the course of your life. Maybe it was that you're a failure, you'll never amount to anything. You can't do anything right. You're ugly or you're not smart enough. Whatever words have been spoken over you, realize if they are, effect, if they are affecting you today. Whatever words have been spoken, you have to realize that they can cut to the heart and they can affect us deeply. If we don't receive the healing that the Lord desires in our life, those things can affect us for a lifetime. There has to be this process of healing. A lot of us can't trust God because we don't trust people. Or we've been hurt by people close to us. Or there's been people that, well, God, you gave these people to me. Maybe they're your parents. Maybe they're relatives. Maybe they're people that you know, have treated you and, and harmed you and wronged you. And if those things are preventing your relationship from God from being all that they've called you to be, you need to allow God to heal your heal in that area. When we've heard the words that people have spoken over us, we have to understand what are the words that God is speaking over us. Today, I want to challenge you to stop using negative, poor me kind of words. Now, some of you say, well, it's not negative. It's just, it's just the reality well, if you want to keep living in, that, living in that reality, keep saying what you're saying. You've got to change those words. Find a scripture that you're like, man, I'm, this is, my, this is my, my life scripture, at least at this season in my life. And then when you see that mountain thrown into the sea that you're dealing with, find another scripture that will throw the next mountain into the sea. And keep growing, keep trusting, keep pursuing God for great things in your life. Change your words, change your life. Realize that you're the head and not the tail, that you're richly blessed, that Jesus loves you and created and fashioned you beautifully. Luke 6, 45, it says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored in his heart, for out of the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Quoted that scripture multiple times a day. It always concerns me when people speak hard words. Well, I didn't mean it. Man, but you said it came from somewhere. Well, that's how my mom said, well, I think it's deeper than that. Or I've heard people, no, it came out of your heart. It came out of your mouth. It says out of the wickedness of the heart, the mouth speaks. So unless God deals with the heart, we can't really change the words of our mouth. So today God wants to heal the brokenhearted in this room. Because with a broken heart not healed, it'll be very difficult to speak words of hope and love when you feel hopeless and unloved. God wants to do something very special in your life today. And as I prepared this message, I believe, you know, I'm going to prophetically say God is not done in the room today. You say, well, well, doesn't all the ministry time, Pastor, know we happened during worship? Not if God's still in the process. God is still wanting to work in areas in your life. He wants to heal your heart. God wants to do something very special in your life today. As the prophet Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, this is what Jesus has come to do today. He says, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim, to proclaim freedom for the captives and to release from darkness for the prisoner, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Now, I'm going through a list. When I get to one of these things on the list and you're kind of inside, inside you're saying, that's me. You're going to have a moment. You're going to have a chance to respond in just a moment. But he will comfort those who mourn. He will provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. He will take that heap of destruction in your life and he will magically turn it into something beautiful. It says, I will give you the oil of joy instead of mourning. Maybe you've been broken and crying for a long time. And today God says, enough, child. I'm here to heal you today. Amen. To take that heart that's been wounded and broken and abused. And I'm going to release new grace and forgiveness. A heart that beats with my passion and my desires. That you could be the true child of God I've called you to. Amen. Now I'm going to keep going a little bit further. If you already know that's you, come on up. I'm going to keep digging a little bit deeper. But if that's you, say, Noe, I, Noe, I need, Pastor Noe, I need that today. 
a joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. That's known as a spirit of heaviness, where you're just carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. Why would we carry the weight that Christ bore on his shoulders to remove from our life? He never intended us to carry those burdens. But yet some of us are burdened. We're heavy. And today God just wants to remove that load from your shoulders and allow you to walk like he's called you to walk. But today you have to realize for your heart to be healed, you got to start talking like somebody whose heart's been healed and made whole. Today, if your heart is broken, Jesus is in the healing business. He can restore anything. He can redeem anything. I don't know what you have need of today. Maybe some of you are here this morning and you say, Pastor Noe, I don't even know this Jesus. But he kind of sounds cool. (laughs) He will meet you right where you are. says, I won't only heal you, but I'll give you a brand new heart. In order to receive what you have need of today, you have to be like this woman with an issue of blood. She said, if I could just touch him, I'll be made well. James 4, 8 through 10, it says, come near to God and he will come near to you. But then he gives some, requ- some requirements here. He says, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and well. Change your laughter into mourning and your joy into gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. This scripture changes to something very serious. It's humbling ourselves before the Lord. It's coming before his throne of grace. And saying, God, today, man, I need you. Three things caused this woman to receive from the Lord. First, she believed it could happen. Faith arose in her heart. She said, perhaps. I don't know if she heard Jesus way off in the distance and she heard the crowd getting louder and she knew that Jesus was coming and was passing by and that there was an expectation that something great was about to happen. Now, I don't know if you realize it this morning. The Holy Spirit has been moving in and out of this place, desiring to capture your heart and change everything. But there has to be an expectation to receive. But then she didn't just say, it could happen. I wish it could happen. But then she spoke the words declaring that it would happen. So she believed it. She spoke it. And then she moved her feet. Do you know that it was still a pursuit? She still had to kind of crawl and grab a hold of the hem of his garment. If you'll change your words, you'll change your life. I'm going to open up the altar and I'm going to leave you with this statement. It says, Jesus, today I know that you are in this place. And then one touch from you that I will be changed. Now, this blank is up to you. It says, I need freedom, and I know I'll be made well and whole. I need redemption, and I know I'll be made well and whole. So I'm going to encourage the worship team to just lead us in this last song. And if there there is something there that you say, Pastor Noe, there's something specific. I don't want nobody to hear it, but I got to say it. We're going to make sure it's loud enough that you can vocalize it in this place. And then when you vocalize it, believe it, move your feet, and come to the front. And God will meet you right here. Pretend this is where Jesus is going to pass by. Now, you can stay in your seat, but you won't receive like the woman that pursued him. Well, Pastor Noe, I can stay right here. Yeah, she could have stayed right where she was and never touched his garment, and she may have not been healed. We don't know. But what if, if you believe, if you confess, and if you will move your feet and get out of the place where you are at and come to the altar, that everything would change.
started pastoring here God told me to dream so Lord but you're already doing great things we know how to do church so what do you mean dream and the Lord said what if you could build a place that my spirit would be made welcome and lives would be forever changed And where people come hungry for the things of God rather than being entertained or convenienced. Now, this is not the church model for an hour service to get in and out. I'm just warning you ahead of time. If you're looking for that, you're at the wrong church. And we've had some obstacles. We've had some things. You know, we're praying about, Lord, when do we go to two services? You say, what are you talking about two services, Pastor Noe? I don't know. But we want to make room for those who are hungry and thirsty for the things of God. It's not about being the biggest church, but it's being about being a church that pleases God. And I was thinking, I said, Lord, so what does that mean? He said, there may come a day 
where people beat you to the parking lot. Because when the doors open, they know that the presence of the Lord is here. And you don't need a worship team. And you don't need a message. All you need is the presence of God in the room at the right moment as you come and seek and you find and you're forever changed. Now, I know that makes it a little difficult for the worship. You're like, what do we do? Do we practice? Hey, just practice. They're here seeking the Lord. They're not worried about what you're doing anyway. Logistically, it changes all of the things that we do. But my heart is to build a church in a way that pleases and honors God. I say, Lord, what pleases you, let us focus on it. What, what is a waste of your time, help us not to waste energy focus on those things. But if the Lord does not show up among us, why would we meet? Might as well go to a movie where at least I can be entertained. If the presence of the Lord does not show up. Now, I want you to know that I believe that God is shifting the church into a different season of a greater measure of his anointing and his authority and his presence. It's not a pastor knowy thing. It's a Holy Spirit thing. It's a God releasing his presence in this place to where we will leave changed. Now, guys, my heart is not for just those who know Christ to continually be filled up. But those who have never known and never heard to come to the knowledge and revelation of Jesus. Now, as we leave this place, I want to commission you. I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you. Some of you will have an opportunity this week to share the love of God with someone. Pastor, no, he's not going to be there. I don't have that relationship, but you're going to have a divine appointment to share the love of Christ with someone. Open the words of your mouth. Tell them the goodness that God has done in your life. And then see what Holy Spirit does. And if it gets super, super awkward where at the end of it you don't know what to say, that's a good time to invite them to church. Because why would we not want people experiencing what we are experiencing every single Sunday as the Holy Spirit does what only He can do? Amen. Let's sing that chorus together and that bridge one more time together and I'll bless you and we'll be dismissed. But if you're still praying and seeking the Lord, continue to be free to do so. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. Father, those that have received a touch from you, I pray that we would go from this place and we would shout it from the mountaintop what the Lord has done in our lives. Father, that we would not be silent, but I release them with boldness and confidence and power in your Holy Spirit in their lives to be effective for the work of ministry. Father, that this week that there would be many that come to the knowledge of Christ. That would come back to you. 
Father, I bless each one here under the sound of my voice. Father, I pray that you would strengthen them. Father, as we looked at the power of our words, Lord, I pray that everything we say from this moment forth, that we would be aware of our words. That we'd be intentional with our words. Father, that they would accomplish the purpose for which we have spoken them and sent them. Father, I thank you for what you're doing. Lord, I pray that the rest of this day that your people would be blessed as we fellowship, as we spend time together, as we rest, whatever it looks like. Father, I pray that just our day would be full of you. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, a mind to understand. And Father, give us a sensitive heart, a sensitive heart to your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Man, I love you guys. Appreciate you. If there's anything we can do for you, let us know. If you want to continue to worship just for a minute, stay engaged. Everybody, you know, if you're dismissing or you're leaving, just be courteous of those up front. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Hey, next week we're going to start a new series talking about the real Jesus. Who is the real Jesus? We're going to identify who he is, what he's done, and just really focus on who Jesus is. You guys invite a friend. We'll see you guys next week. Love you. Be blessed. Y'all have a good evening. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.